Hi, my name is Isaac, lead pastor at New Hope Foursquare Church. Thanks for checking out our podcast. Our Sunday services are at 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. Find out more at www.inewhope.org. All right, all for Jesus, huh? Woo-hoo. I'm so excited to be with my friends here at New Hope. I'm one of the missionaries that you guys faithfully support. And so I just appreciate all of you. And many of you have gone on trips with us around the world. And so thankful that Pastor Isaac asked me to speak. And it's always funny as an evangelist, a lot of my pastor friends have me come share. Usually on Labor Day weekend, Memorial Day weekend, you know, three-day weekends and stuff. So anyway, I'm excited to be here. I want to ask you to be praying. I'll leave for uh, Philippines tomorrow. We already have a team over there. We're doing a, a huge citywide festival. In fact, first time they've done a citywide festival in Omrock, in just outside of Cebu on a little island out there. I got to take a ferry there. So it's going to be amazing. So I appreciate your prayers for that. Just got back from the Dominican Republic. It was awesome. We worked with over 103 churches, reached 80,000 people over the weekend, and over 20,000 people gave their lives to Jesus. So to God be the glory. Yeah, he's doing great things around the world. You know, people always ask me, they say, well, Reed, you know, you've been to like 94 countries or something like that. Do you speak all these languages? I go, no, sadly, I only speak English. Not sadly, English is great, but that's the only one I, I speak. And so I use a translator. And so when I was in the Dominican, this pastor told me this story. This is hilarious. So there was an American missionary that came into the DR, Dominican Republic, and he doesn't speak Spanish, so he needed a translator. Well, the pastor of the church couldn't find anybody, so he just announced it to the whole congregation. He said, hey, here's our brother from America, doesn't speak Spanish, can someone translate for him this morning? This guy in the back's real excited, he's raising his hand, I'll do it, I'll do it. So they bring him up, and going through the message, and there's a dear woman in the front who speaks both Spanish and English, and She's listening. She's like, man, this guy's not translating a word that this guy's preaching. So finally, he gets done with the message, and she comes up to him, and she said, hey, uh, you know, you weren't saying anything that this guy was preaching. Do you even speak English? And the guy says, no. He gave his message, and I gave mine. (laughs) I always wonder when I say, like, Jesus loves you, and my translator goes off for 10 minutes. I'm like, huh? Anyway. But you know, in reality, a lot of people pretend to be someone or something they're not, right? I mean, just because you have a surfboard doesn't make you a surfer. Just because you wear a Harley jacket doesn't make you a biker. Just because you carry an umbrella doesn't make you an Oregonian, right? (laughs) Except on nice days like this. And just because you go to church doesn't necessarily mean you're a follower of Jesus. I mean, hey, going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than me. Going to Dunkin' Donuts makes me a cop. (laughs) Just kidding. Put the gun away. No, (laughs) just kidding. I know, I love, I'm going to go to the speed limit on my way home, I promise. Anyway, <laughs> but what makes you a follower of Jesus, right, is when you make a personal decision to believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and you're sorry for your sins, and you believe that he rose again from the grave. And when you invite Jesus to be your Savior, he takes you from death to life, right? And this morning, I want to share with you the greatest love story of all time, and that's between you and God. And I want you to know this morning that God has not forgotten about you. He loves you. He cares about you. He knows your pain. He knows your problems. He knows what you're dealing with. I love what the Bible says in 1 John 3, 1. It says, how great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. I think about Multnomah Falls when I think about this word lavish, right? God pouring down on us. If you were to drive by there right now with all the snow and rain we've had, it's probably just plummeting down, right? And that's God's love pouring down on you this morning. And the Bible says in 1 John 4, 10, it says, and this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Now, atonement's a big word, but it literally means to satisfy God's wrath for our sin. 
And Jesus is the only one, my friends, who can give you that purpose, that meaning in life. I love what St. Augustine once said. He said, you have made us for yourself, O God, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. Is your heart restless this morning? And it was Blaise Pascal, a French mathematician. He once said this, and he's right. He said, there's a God-shaped vacuum or hole in the heart of every person which cannot be filled by any created thing, but only by God, the creator. But sadly, so many people, you know, they try to fill that hole in their heart or that vacuum by turning to drugs, alcohol, relationships. We live in a broken world, don't we? You know, Google released recently the top three most searched topics at night from about midnight to 4 a.m. Top three around the world were porn, loneliness, and suicide. We live in a broken world, don't we? But a lot of people think, man, if I can only become famous or rich. Famous actor Marlon Brando, shortly before his death, he said this. He said, money and wealth has brought me nothing but misery. Keith Urban, a famous country music singer, once said this. He said, playing massive stadiums is not going to fill any hole in me. There's that word hole again, right? Or Jim Carrey, right? We, you know, we laugh at all of his stuff, right? He said this. He said, I wish people could get rich and famous, and then they'd understand that it's not the answer. No, it's not the answer. Or how about money? How many of you have heard of the radio personality Howard Stern? All right, this guy recently signed a contract for $400 million. It's even more than, you know, Harper just signed with the Phillies. $400 million. He gets paid $80 million bucks a year. And so someone interviewed them and said, Mr. Stern, I mean, you must be happy, right? You got a beautiful wife. You get paid more than most people. You're on the radio 24-7. And Mr. Stern's response was tragic, but it was typical. He said, no, actually, I've never been happy a day in my life. Or we think about reality shows, right? You know, I was reading recently this, this girl on uh, The Bachelor committed suicide. And then there's been, I think, 21 suicides on reality TV show stars that have committed suicide. I mean, think about it. You're working at your local, let's just say you're working at Starbucks. You get on the show. You're in front of all these people all of a sudden now. You're flowing around to beautiful islands on a jet. You're having great dinners. And it's just amazing. And then next thing you get kicked off the show, you're back serving lattes, which is no problem. But, but you see how people can just be broken and empty from just what life throws at them, right? And when I think about the brokenness, I, I speak a lot to young people. I speak at like Christian festivals around our country. I was speaking to one in Pennsylvania, and I've seen people cry before, but I've never seen someone cry like this young girl named Rachel, about 16 years old. She was so broken after the message she came up, and she literally had about three friends kind of carrying her up. And she says, Reed, I got to tell you my story. I've been in and out of foster homes my whole entire life. I've been abused by people that said they love me. I've been rejected by parents, by teachers. I just feel like I have nobody. And she said that this year, three of my friends committed suicide. In fact, read this year alone, I tried to kill myself three times. But as the tears were falling, I could start to see a hint of a smile on Rachel's face. But she said, but read, when I heard you talking about this Jesus, the fact that he loved me enough to die on the cross for my sins and to rise again from the grave, she said, read, tonight I gave my life to Jesus. And for the first time in my life, she said, for the first time in my life, I finally feel loved. I finally have a reason to live. My friends, are you looking for a reason to live this morning? Look to Jesus, the Son of God, the Savior of the world. 
And there's three things I want to hit home to your heart this morning about God's love for each and every one of you. We sing about his reckless love, right? It is reckless. But it's also relational. God's love is relational. What the top thing I hear around the world is I'm preaching the gospel, you know, whether it's to Muslims or Buddhists or agnostics or atheists, you name it. The number one thing that attracts them is that the God of the Bible is a personal God. Most religions are like, how can we get to God or please God? Christianity is about Jesus reaching us, right? A God that loved us to become one of us, right? Fully God, fully man. And out of everything that God made, try to get your mind around this. The heavens and the earth, everything he made, he made you and I, men and women, alone in his own image. And the reason why God did that is because he wanted a friendship with you, a relationship with you. How many of you have kids? Let me see your hands, okay? My wife Carmen and I have three children. Now, I want my kids to love me, not because they have to, not because they're forced to, but because they want to, because they choose to, right? I mean, that's really love. Love is a choice, correct? So God told Adam and Eve, anything you want in this beautiful garden, everything I've made, you can enjoy. It's for your enjoyment. We have a relationship. Cool today, walking. How cool is that? (laughs) But he said, there's one tree you cannot eat, and that's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And just like the devil does today, did the same thing back in the Garden of Eden. He causes us to doubt God, doesn't he? He always causes us to not be content. Really? No, you try this, try that. You want real purpose? Do this. So he said, look at the tree, Eve. It's delicious. The fruit. Take some. You'll be like God. And so the Bible says Eve took from that fruit and ate that God told her not to. She gave her some to her husband, Adam, and he ate. And at that moment in time, that's when the love relationship between us and God was broken. And that's when the Bible says sin entered the human race. And that word sin means to rebel against God. Basically saying, God, my life's not about you, it's all about me. And literally that word harmatia for sin means to miss the mark. Like if I put a target in the back of the sanctuary, every time I'd shoot, I'd miss. And the Bible says in Romans 3.23 that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the Bible says in Isaiah 59.2, it says your sins have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he cannot hear. And that's why many of you here this morning, you feel lonely, you feel empty because you're out of a relationship with the God who made you. And your sins have separated you from God. When I think about this world and brokenness and sin, I think about loneliness, right? If I were to say this person's name, you know who I'm talking about, but he was a famous uh, rock star. And this poor guy was just broken. I mean, everything looked great on the outside, but completely empty on the inside. And this guy committed suicide. And when they went in the room and they found him, he had this note pinned to his shirt. And it simply said, I am a lonely soul. I am a lonely soul. Brokenness, right? Brokenness. One of the things that I think about this generation, you know, our young people and stuff, one of the things I'm encouraged about is how open they are to God's love and to the good news of Jesus. But the thing that I'm really concerned about is how the suicide rate is continuing to skyrocket in America, right? Cutting is a huge issue. There's a lot of brokenness going on. And I saw this news clip not too long ago about this young girl named Amanda, and she was struggling with loneliness. She was struggling with brokenness. She'd been uh, just in through a lot of difficult times in her life. And so she was doing a home video in her room talking about how broken and lonely she is. And she held up this sign, I'll never forget it. She held up this sign that said simply this, I have nobody, I need somebody. I have nobody, I need somebody. And shortly after that video clip aired, this young girl committed suicide. 
And maybe you're here this morning, you're like, Reed, that's me. I have nobody, I need somebody. Let me tell you who that somebody is. It's Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Savior of the world. God's love is relational, but it's also radical. It's so radical that God saw that you're out of a relationship with him, and he did something about it. He wanted to reach us, so he became one of us. He left his throne in heaven, Jesus, came born through the Virgin Mary, lived a perfect, sinless life. And then he did what you and I can't do on our own. He paid the penalty for our sins. In fact, when Jesus was on the cross, and they put nails through his hands and through his feet, Jesus was loving you. He was taking all of your guilt, all of your sin, all of your shame on himself. In fact, the Bible says that he became sin for us. And he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I can't fathom it, but at that moment in time, God the Father turned away from God the Son as he literally became the perfect sacrifice. He hit the bullseye of God's mark as he became sin for us. As John the Baptist said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And my friends, if you're here today and you're like, read, does God really love me? Does he really care about me? If you ever question God's love for you, look to the cross of Jesus Christ. On the cross, he was loving you. It's like Jesus on the cross took a check, wrote your name on it, signed his name on it in blood, and on the third day, we all cheered. Why? Because the check cleared, right? It was paid in full, the check cleared. Jesus died, he was buried, but three days later, he rose again, right? And today, Jesus Christ is alive. And wants to come in your heart and life and take away all your guilt, all your sin, all your shame. Most famous verse in the Bible, right? John 3, 16. For God so loved the world. For God so loved Salem. Put your name there this morning. For God so loved you and 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 you. For God so loved you that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus died, he was buried, he rose again showing that he defeated the devil, he defeated death, and he made it possible to deliver you and I from all of our sins. And that's why I said it is finished. It is finished. Jesus has the victory. Colossians 1, 19 through 20, I love this verse, these two verses. It says this. It says, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace. Say peace. peace. Say it again. Peace. By making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Jesus, the Prince of Peace, died on the cross for our sins, rose again from the grave. You know, there's a survey that was taken all around the world, and it's interesting. It was U.S., you know, Africa, Asia, basically all around the world. And people were asked a million-dollar question. In this survey, they were simply asked, what do you want most in life? And there's a little blank line you can walk, you know, write it in. And it wasn't what you thought it might be, right? To be wealthy or healthy, successful, whatever. No. The number one answer people wanted most in life was peace. Peace. Now, if you look at our world today, there is no peace. I mean, quite frankly, it's pretty a miracle I'm standing here in some of the countries I've gone to. But the bottom line is Jesus, the Prince of Peace, gives us not peace on the outside, but peace on the inside. Right? Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So when you come to the cross and trust Jesus as your Savior, God gives you peace on the inside. He gives you peace with God. And he helps you live at peace with others. But you know, as there's a men's retreat here, I speak a lot to men's groups as well. And there's a lot of men today that are carrying these huge burdens. They don't have peace 
they carry mostly guilt for the decisions they've made, their business isn't going too well, <clears throat> etc. And I heard the story of a man who was a very successful business person. The market turned, he lost pretty much everything, having trouble in his marriage, and so he went to a Christian counselor. And the Christian counselor was talking to him, and he said, let's go on a field trip today. So he lives in New York. He took him to the RCA building in New York. And in it, there's that, you know, atlas, the Greek, you know, statue of the dude with the, you know, the weight on the, his back, right? Big, strong, buff guy with the weight of the world literally on his back. And the counselor said to him, that's you. <laughs> You're trying to carry the weight of your world on your shoulders. Let's go across the street. So the counselor took him across the street, and there in a church was little boy Jesus, about eight years old, holding the whole world in his hand. And he said to him, that needs to be you. You know, that song we've sang as kids, right? He's got the what? Whole? Nice, right? You guys want to keep going, yeah. Let's hit it. No, anyway, but, you know, <laughs> and I'm not going to sing because you'll be running, trust me. But, but it's so true, right? In our lives, we try to put our world in all the different hands, Right? whether it's our job, whether we try to put it in our marriage, we try to put it in how much money we make. But the key in a love relationship, Jesus, is when you take your world and put it in the nail-pierced hands of your Savior, Jesus. You know, isn't that true, right? I love what Jesus said in John 10, 28. He says, I give them eternal life and they should never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. When you're in his grip, you're never gonna get let out. He's got you in his hands. And I love what the Bible says in Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. Jesus says this. He says, come to me, all you labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. We're not to do this on our own, right? We put our lives in the hands of Jesus. He says, I love you. I care about you. I've got your world in my hands. I'm never gonna let go. That's our savior, Jesus. And so I ask you, whose hands is your world in this morning? So Jesus says, I love you with an everlasting love. I died in your place for your sins. But a lot of people tell me, they say, Reed, you don't know the sins I've committed. And they'll list off different ones. Divorce, they've had an abortion, they've had different things that they talk about. And I say, listen, there's nothing that Jesus didn't do on the cross they can't forgive you of your sins. And I take him to Isaiah 43, 25. I know it's an Old Testament passage, but it's truth. It says this. God says, I and I am he who blots out your transgressions. Transgression means to break the Ten Commandments, break the law. I and I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. Listen to this. And remembers your sins no more. Think about that. God chooses to remember, not to remember your sins, right? Because he's all annoying. And it's like this, right? It's like the song, Audio Adrenaline, that God has hidden our sins on the ocean floor, right? And he put a no fishing sign, right? No fishing. And I love what Lou Gigolo said. He said this. He said, God didn't come to make a bad person good. He came to make a dead person alive. And one of my favorite verses is John 5, 24, where Jesus said, truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but is crossed over from death to life. I am so thankful for the cross of Jesus Christ. From Jesus, he takes us from broken to whole, from lonely to loved. But you know what? A lot of us, we go through life and we held a lot of guilt, right? A lot of guilt, the poor decisions we've made, 
the sins that we've, that we've done, we feel guilty. But when you come to the cross of Jesus and receive him as your savior, he doesn't say you're guilty. He says you are what? Forgiven. What? Forgiven. Forgiven. Oh, how about this? I hear this a lot, especially about teenagers and even people in their 20s that talk about feeling worthless. But even for some of us, right, have gone through life, maybe your life didn't turn out the way you thought it would turn out. And so maybe you go through life feeling worthless, especially with social media, right? Every post seems to seem like the perfect family. Every post seems like a beaver moment, if you don't remember beaver from kids anyway. All right. But anyhow, everyone always seems to have the perfect life, right? And so you kind of feel worthless. But when you come to Jesus, he takes your worthless and he gives us what? Purpose, right? Jesus said in John 10, 10, I've come to have life and have it to the fullest. Purpose. So on that same line of worthlessness, a lot of us carry shame, don't we? The sins we've committed, the choices we've made, we feel a lot of shame. Like how could God ever forgive me? How could God really ever love or care about me? But Jesus loves you. I love what the Bible says in Jeremiah 31, 3. God says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Have you ever tried to get your mind around that? There's no end to God's love for you right here, right now. And that word agape means unconditional love. It means no matter who you are, no matter what sins you've committed, Jesus says you and I are what? We're what? Love. We're what? Love. We're loved. For God so loved You. Here's one I see a lot of people, kind of middle age, <laughs> like me. We deal with a lot of anxiousness, don't we? How are we going to pay the bills? How are we going to get the kids through college? Are we ever going to retire? A lot of anxiousness, right? What's the market going to do today? But when you come to Jesus, he takes your anxiousness and he gives you what? Peace, right? I love what the Bible says in Philippians 4, 6, and 7. It says, do not be anxious or worry about anything, but in everything, with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God, and the, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And finally, Jesus takes us from death. Romans six twenty three: the wages of sin is death. Not just physical death, right? One day you're going to die and I'm going to die. But more significantly, spiritual death. And when you come to Jesus, he takes us from what? Death to, to what? Life. To life. Just like John 5, 24. Whoever hears my words and believes him who sent me has eternal life will not be judged, but is crossed over from death to life. That's our Savior, Jesus Christ. Aren't you thankful for the cross? Aren't you thankful for the empty tomb? Our God is mighty to save. So God's love is relational. Like we're saying, it's reckless. It's radical. But thirdly, finally, it's relentless. God's not going to give up on you, right? He's going to keep chasing you down because he loves you and your life matters to him so much that Jesus will go to the cross. But here's the thing. God loves you so much, he wants to spend forever with you. Now, here's the thing. Because we're creating God's own image, the Bible says you and I have what's called a soul. We're eternal, right? One day, you're going to die, and I'm going to die. And the Bible says our soul goes to one of two places, either heaven or hell. Now, God is love, yes, but he's also holy, perfect, and just, and God hates sin. And the Bible says if you die in your sins without Jesus saving you from your sins, you'll be in a place called hell forever. Very sad, very lonely. 
But the good news is the fact that there's a heaven. Think of it, a place where there'll be no more pain, no more sickness, no more suffering, no more cancer, no more losing a child, none of that. But Jesus said, there's not many ways to heaven. There's only one. In fact, Jesus said in John 14, 6, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It reminds me of the story of uh, Albert Einstein, I don't know if you've heard of him, great physicist, right? Came up with the theory of relativity, E equals MC squared. I have no clue what that means. It sounds cool, but I have no clue. E, I thought maybe it's evangelism, mass, anyway, anyway, so evangelism, there we go. But E equals MC squared, theory of relativity, very brilliant man. So the story told how he's going by train by Princeton to a certain location. And he's on the train and the conductor's going through and he's like, ticket please, right? Dr. Einstein checks one pocket, empty, checks the next pocket, empty. The conductor says, Dr. Einstein, Dr. Einstein, listen, I know who you are. In fact, everyone on this train knows who you are. I'm sure you paid for your ticket. Don't worry about it. So he continues down the aisle collecting tickets and he looks back and all of a sudden he's just completely shocked. He can't believe what he's seen. Here's Dr. Einstein, the great physicist, on his hand and knees scrambling, looking for his ticket. Conductor freaks out, he goes running down. He says, Dr. Einstein, Dr. Einstein, I know who you are. In fact, everyone on this train knows who you are. I'm sure you paid for your ticket. <laughs> Dr. Einstein looks up and without missing a beat and says, young man, I too know who I am. The problem is, I don't know where I'm going. I need my ticket. <laughs> and literally, if I were to ask you right now, when you die, do you know where you're going? Jesus alone is the way to heaven, right? You can't earn your way ahead and you can't pay your way in heaven. It's by grace, the Bible says. Grace basically means something you and I didn't deserve. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. And life is short. I told you about being in the Dominican Republic a couple weeks ago. There's a dear woman who was volunteering in the festival. She had a son who didn't know Jesus and she'd been praying for her son for many years. And so she invited him to the festival. He came Friday night, he came Saturday night, and he even came Sunday night. Well, sadly, on the way home from the festival Sunday night, he crashed his motorcycle and died. It was very, very sad. I can't imagine losing a child. Well, as they were going through the response cards from the people who gave their life to Jesus, they came across his card. And this young man had given his life to Jesus right before he crashed and died. And his mom, through tears of losing his son, was rejoicing that she'd see her son again someday in heaven with Jesus. You know, life is short. I'll finish with this story about a man who was in prison, made a lot of stupid mistakes, landed in prison, but he's about to be released. And so he wrote home to his wife and children and he said, on such and such a day, I'll be released from prison. He said, I know how much I've hurt you and the children by the terrible mistakes and choices I've made. But if you want to welcome me home, all I want you to do is just to take a little gold ribbon, like so, and just tie it on the front doorknob. And if I see the gold ribbon, I know that means that you want to welcome me back home. But, he said, I know how much I've hurt you and the kids, and if I go by and there's no gold ribbon, I promise you'll never see or hear from me again. Well, finally, the day came for the man to be released from prison. And he got on a bus that was going to take him by his house. At one of the bus stops, a bunch of college students got on board. And they were sitting in the front and they look back and they see this guy and he's kind of all wrapped up, just kind of being really quiet, kind of mumbling to himself. And one of the students said, hey, mister, are you okay? Are you sick? And he kind of popped up and he said, no, you don't understand. He said, today's the day. 
today's the day I may never see my wife or children again. He said, you see, I just got released from prison and I'm heading home. And I wrote a letter to my wife saying that when I get home, if there's a gold ribbon on the front door, that means all is forgiven and I can come home. But if there's no gold ribbon, that means I'll never see my wife or my children ever again. Today's the day, he said. All the students and everyone on the bus by now is thinking, this is crazy. I wonder what's going to happen. So as the bus was starting to make its way around the block where the man lived, everyone literally is standing up on the bus looking out the window. What's going to happen? But you could see about a half block away, there are gold ribbons on the front door. There are gold ribbons on the front lawn. There are gold ribbons hanging and covering the trees and the bushes and the roof. In fact, the whole house was covered in gold ribbons. And when the man got off the bus, his wife and children, they ran up, they embraced him, and they said, welcome home. Welcome home. And so too this morning, the gold ribbons are up in heaven. And God wants to welcome you home into his family. He wants to take away all your guilt, all your sin, all your shame. And he wants to fill you with his purpose, his love, his life, his peace. When you come to the cross, you say, God, I know that I'm a sinner, but I believe you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for my sins and rise again from the grave. The Bible says, all of your sins are forgiven. You have a personal relationship with Jesus, not a religion or relationship. The Holy Spirit comes and lives in your heart and life to help you live for Jesus. You can be sure when you die, you go to heaven as opposed to hell. And you can have the joy of knowing and serving and living for Jesus the rest of your days. And you enter back into that love relationship with God, just like Adam and Eve did before sin entered the world. And there's one thing you can get out of this message today, is that Jesus loves you, he loves you, he loves you. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old life is gone, the new life has come. Think of it this morning, you can have a fresh start in Jesus Christ. He loves you with an everlasting love. I'd like to pray with you right now. If you can just close your eyes and bow your heads. This is a very special moment between you and Jesus. And just like we saw God move in first hour, here in the second hour, I want to do the same thing. I just want to invite you into a personal love relationship with Jesus Christ. John 1.12 says, Yet to all received from Jesus, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Think of it this morning. You can be a part of God's family, a son or a daughter of the king. So I want to lead you in a prayer that I'd pray if I was giving my life to Jesus. Now, this prayer is not what saves you. It's your faith in Jesus that does, right? But this is a great way just to invite him into your life to be your savior. And so if God has spoken to your heart this morning and you want to begin a relationship with Jesus, then just in the quietness of your heart, I invite you to say this prayer with me right here, right now. Let's pray. Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. But I believe you sent your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for my sins and to rise again from the grave. Come into my heart and life, Lord Jesus. Forgive me of all of my sins. Thank you for giving your life for me, Jesus, on the cross. Now by faith, I fully give my life to you. 
from this moment on, use my life for your glory, Jesus. And with your heads bowed and eyes closed, if you just pray to begin a relationship with Jesus, then I'm going to count to three and ask you to raise your hands, okay? So one, two, get ready, three. Just lift up your hands. Thank you. I see your hands over here. Over here, thank you. I see many of you raising your hands. Awesome. Thank you. I see your hand in the front too. Yeah, I see your hands over here in the back as well. Awesome. Okay, why don't you put your hands down? I want to pray with you. So it's exciting to see so many of you giving your life to Jesus this morning. But though you made this decision for Christ individually, you're not alone. You're part of the body of Christ. And so we here at New Hope, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus. So please tell someone about this decision you've made. You know, the Bible says in Luke 15 that when a sinner comes to know Jesus, there's a celebration in heaven. So if the angels are celebrating in heaven, let's celebrate here on earth. So you can open your eyes and everyone, let's just give God a hand for what he's done this morning. You know, God is moving all around the world. I'm headed to the Philippines and then I'm gonna be preaching the gospel in Moscow, St. Petersburg, Russia, Vietnam this year uh, as well. And I just wanna tell you that God is moving all across this world. We're seeing Muslims come to Christ like never before. I mean, God is moving and Jesus is the savior of the world. So I just want to thank you for the joy of partnering and taking the gospel. I'm so excited for about the 10 of you who made decisions for the Lord this morning. Again, tell someone about this decision. I just want to pray for you and then let's just worship our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. His love for us is amazing, isn't it? All right, let me pray. Father, I thank you for my friends in this room. I thank you for our new brothers and sisters and you that make commitments to you. God, I just pray 2 Peter 3, 18 over them, that they'll grow in the grace and knowledge of your son, Jesus Christ. Father, thank you that you are a God who's mighty to save. Uh, thank you, Lord, that you, you love each and every one of us with an everlasting love. So God, we again thank you for the cross and the empty tomb. Uh, thank you how you're moving in Salem to the Philippines, to the ends of the earth. And God, though you're working all around the world, it's just amazing to know your spirit is working in each of our hearts to make us more and more like your son, Jesus. So we love you, Lord. We praise you. God, we just give you all the glory. And as your word says in Psalm 115.1, not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory, Lord. To your name be the glory because of your love and faithfulness. It is all for you, Jesus. And it's in your name we pray. We love you. Amen.